action. Welcome to Torn Stubbs, the Trash Movie Podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. Joshua and I have a big old shared film knowledge, but there's always gaps that need to be filled. So in this episode, he's recommended I watch a movie that I've not yet seen. For this episode, Joshua chose Last Action Hero, directed by John McTiernan. Joshua. Right, so The Last Action Hero is a fourth wall-breaking action comedy uh, from 1993. Uh, It stars Austin O'Brien as a teenage movie fanatic called Danny, and he's obsessed with his favourite hero, Jack Slater, who is played, of course, by Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Yeah, he does a lot of that in this. Uh, And so thanks to a a magical uh, ticket stub... Torn stub! Torn stubs. He's sucked into Jack Slater's new film, Jack Slater 4, and goes on a, like a crazy action adventure. So it's kind of like Scream for action films. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very postmodern. Uh, it, is, you know, it, it plays around with action cliches and conventions. What did you think of it? Well, first of all, why did you ask me to watch it? Why did you think I might like this? Because it's fun, silly, action. Arnold Schwarzenegger says you know funny lines uh and i love it so i thought maybe you should watch it as well (laughs) um i did enjoy it i think it's a series of sketches somehow strung together and somehow it makes sense as a movie i think it's completely unfocused i think that it's a great idea and especially it's a great idea to be directed by John McTiernan, who pretty much invented the idea of the modern um, action blockbuster because he did Die Hard and he did Predator. Um, Predator. Then without him, we wouldn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger's career as an action star. Well, I mean, we probably would, but he definitely helped him. Uh, no, I don't. I, I think his, I mean, Schwarzenegger obviously came from the Terminator, but without hmm. doing Predator... And without having Die Hard, we wouldn't have then had something like Terminator 2. Because hmm. Terminator, the first Terminator is a pure horror. The second one is an out-and-out action blockbuster yeah. that just would not have been even commissioned had Predator and Die Hard not been such big hits. Okay, interesting. So I think without John McTiernan, we don't have all these films afterwards. Hmm. We don't have sliced alone suddenly reimagined as a action hero because before then he was just you know an actor who was making supposedly you know heartfelt dramas mm. that had a real masculinity to it like Rocky or the one with the arm wrestling I can't uh, over the top Hank. that's it it's oh, called yeah. over the top because yeah. the trailer goes sliced alone is over the top <laughs> never were truer words spoken <laughs> did we we saw that we saw that when we saw He-Man didn't we Master oh, I haven't seen over the top no, 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 the trailer. They showed uh, the trailers before, the Prince Charles. Oh, great. Um, so without, with you know, you could trace it. Without those, without John Maternal, we don't get everything that came afterwards. We don't get, you know, this post, post-modern action star, like the Bourne Ultimatum and mm. the new Bonds and, and things like that. So to have John McTiernan do a film that completely turns the cameras around and goes, ha ha, look at all these tropes. We're going to take the piss. It's genius to get him to do it. Yeah. But that's not enough. 
you need to have a decent script. It can't just be, here's another trope, here's another trope, here's another trope, here's another trope. It reminded me of John Waters' most recent film, which was about a decade and a half ago. It was the last film we ever directed, called A Dirty Shame, which is all about all the... It was, a, it was about this this woman, played by Tracy Ullman, who gets bopped on the head, and suddenly she has like these sexual urges that she's never had before. And she starts meeting all these people in the town who have a sexual fetish. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the foot fetish and then the guy who likes like shitting down the back of the toilet or the rimmer <laughs> or this, that and the other. And the problem with that film is it's great to have all that in the film because it, it he wanted to talk about the fact that, yes, normal people who live in suburbia like freaky sex, <laughs> you know, in, in the eyes of the conservatives. So in the film, he goes, here's this person, here's this person, here's this person, but they don't do anything. Uh-huh. And the problem in this film is the kid goes into the Jack Slater. Is it Jack Slater? Because mm. that makes me think of EastEnders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he goes into the Jack Slater movie and suddenly we're in the movie. We're in the film within the film. And that's the plot we're following. And we're seeing all these tropes. We're seeing all these cliches. And the kid's going, it's a cliche. That guy there, this and that. And Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, Jack Slater, is going, no, it's not a movie. It's not a movie. You're crazy, kid. (laughs) He's Italian, obviously. (laughs) But it's just not enough to go... That's a trope, that's a trope, that's a trope. Because nothing, it doesn't really progress. And about 90 minutes, literally 90 minutes into the film, because this is a long, this is a long film. Yeah. 90 minutes into the film, I was thinking, where is this film going? Because up until this point, I started getting bored. Up until this point, it's just trope after trope after trope. So much so that I started writing a list. Do you want to hear some? All right. So here's the list. I'll do it really quickly. Um, Got 18. Yeah. Bloody hell. So, jumping away from a bomb explosion, um, a black cop two days before retirement, and then there's a trumpet or saxophone, and that's like lethal weapon. There's a shouty police chief threatening to take the hero's badge away, and he shatters the glass. Lots of concealed weapons. Um, Someone staying alive long enough to convey some info, then dying immediately. Driving a car while shooting the gun. Driving with no hands. Ice cream van is my favourite. The ice cream van exploded because someone fell into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, drive off a bridge in slow motion and survive intact. Women in underwear for no reason. And there's no, there's no, there's no ugly women. It's all beautiful women. But they all look like space women. They've all got kind of David Bowie esque outfits on. And yeah. And like you know those kind of bikinis that were big in the eighties that seem to like loop up. Mm. over like their horse legs <laughs> crazy um unconventional partners like you're teamed up with the rabbi <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's also intentional i know i know but yeah after a while you just think where are these tropes going you can't just go here's a trope is a trope five 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 numbers mm-hmm. my telephone number five 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 um if you harm a hair on her head and then he takes a hair off her head and beep, pulls it apart um non-american bad guy well-spoken english guy charles um, dance unrealistically dodging bullets at close proximity bad guy hiding in the closet gun in the glove compartment obviously they've got like 20 of them and then falling in slow motion that's a that's a list of 18 reasons i love this film no i like those tropes too in genuine action films but when you're in an environment going that's a trope that's a trope that's a trope and there's no plot pushing the film forward 
yeah. I got really bored because the actual plot, the actual plot of the film we're watching, not the film that they're watching in the film, doesn't start until the 90th minute mark when Alan Rickman Light leaves the film and suddenly they have to think, oh, well, now we need a plot. Now we need, what does he actually want? Now we need some motivation. It's not just, yeah. it's not just writing a list and showing it in the film. I think it's a, no. I think it's a great idea, though. So the villain, the villain comes out of the movie into the real world and discovers bad guys can win. And I just think that's I love that idea. It's so it's yeah, so it's, great. No, it's 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 brilliant. But they don't do. Do you not agree? They don't do enough with it. That it's just trope, trope, trope. Now we have to think about a real plot. I think that if you want to get a plot from an action film, you're probably stretching. Like in Die Hard, Die Hard, the plot is I'm going to stop the terrorists. Like that's all you have. No, come on. There is so much plot and so many little quirks in Die Hard. That's but there's quirks tight, in this, I That think. is a tight, tight movie. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not, but I think that this film is just as serviceable as an action film as any of the films it kind of pastiches. No. no <laughs> just <quote>. completely disagree. <laughs> because the kid goes into the screen and he's not... He's not worried about it. It's not like Back to the Future, like, oh, how the fuck am I going to get Back to the Future? He's not like, how am I going to get back out of the screen? He only leaves by sheer chance that beardy, you know, fake Alan Rickman manages... Charles Dance. Suddenly, why would you keep saying Charles Dance? Is that his name? Yes. <laughs> Who is he? What, what's, he was I, in Game of Thrones. He's... I've never seen Game of Thrones. He's a very famous British actor. I just don't reckon. Was he, was he in Ghostbusters? Is he the guy like, yes, this guy has no dick? No. That's an American guy. Different ginger. Yeah. Okay, but he's literally Alan Rickman without them having to hire Alan Rickman. Okay. And it's John McTiernan who did Die Hard. Yeah. Um, even sounds like Alan Rickman. <laughs> I've got to check out Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> um, the kid doesn't, doesn't fear anything. He doesn't think, how am I going to get back? No, there's, because there's he's, no, he's but, loving it. He's oh, loving the movie. But you can only love it for so long. And I only loved it for so long. It was getting boring. There was nothing going on. It was a list of tropes. Hmm. Why am I not getting through to you, Joshua? Because I feel completely <laughs> differently. It is a list of tropes, and that's why I love it. I think it's really clever, and I didn't care about, you know, stopping the bad guy and all that kind of stuff, really, because I was having so much fun with the cameos. You know, there's like Sharon Stone and Tina Turner and Sly Stallone is Stallone is recast as the Terminator, which is just genius. I love all that stuff, and that that. This film to me feels like a film that loves action films and it succeeds as an action film, but kind of like a Deadpool version of an actual action film. So like they do break the fourth wall and crazy shit goes on. And for me, it's like an action movie cubed. But at least, but at least Deadpool had a plot. Did it? Yes. (laughs) And it had a plot and the characters had motivation and you felt like the film was moving forward. I felt like this film was plateauing. How is this film any different from a Saturday Night Live sketch picking out all these tropes? No, it's not. And, but I kind of thought for me, the, the emotional connection is that Danny, this kid, he, he's kind of living in an uh, underprivileged environment. And this is kind of like his Alice in Wonderland. Like he's escaped his really crappy real life by going to the movies and i think that that people can relate to that and do relate to that and that's one of the reasons movies are so successful so he's just kind of the nth degree of someone escaping their reality through film oh no i completely (laughs) i completely get that i'm paying attention i completely get that what i'm saying is there is no plot to to talk about because we're in the jack slater plot then suddenly boom we're in the real world and 
suddenly, like you said, he's like, bad guys can win. And then they're reimagining the plot from the the previous Jack Slater film where he's up on the roof mm. and he's brought another actor somehow. He's brought the character out on screen. That's never... Like the rules that they establish in the film, our film, where character, where act, where real people can go through the screen into the film that they're watching, the film within the film. Those rules, they're not. They don't seem to be set in stone. They're very lax with what the rules are. At one point, Benedict, you know, played by Mister Game of Thrones, what's his name? Charles, Charles Dance, Dance. Um, turns to the camera, starts talking to the camera. Why was he aware that the cameras were there? all the time why only then does he turn to the camera and if he can see the camera why couldn't jack slater arnold schwarzenegger arnold's character i can't even say his fucking name why arnold wasn't, why wasn't anyone else like arnold schwarzenegger why wasn't he aware of the cameras being there when the kid's like this is an action film you're in a film hmm. why suddenly the charles dance character benedict could see the fucking camera why is it because he he sees it because he sees it. It's that kind of thing, right? Where he's he's aware of it. It's like, if you believe in fairies, you're going to see fairies. Like that, that kind of thing. Who said that? <laughs> Everyone ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that a lot of the problems that you have with this film are are the result of the, the production. It had quite a... Did they even have a script when they started directing this? So Zach Penn and Adam Leff, they wrote the original script. And I think the original script didn't take place inside a film inside a film i think it was more of a like a, a jaunt where action cliches happen in the real world kind of situation was it was it a parody was it, a, it was, this, is, this yeah, is yeah so it was parodying shane black cliches so shane okay. black did the weapon, weapon. Yeah, yeah. right so then shane black ironically was brought and in nice, and the nice guys yeah, yeah, nice episodes, guys, just saying, yeah. yeah plug, plug. Um, but shane black was brought in to do rewrites on this yeah and that's when i think the the fourth wall breaking stuff happened okay and i love the fact that shane black films have to have some kind of link to christmas so he obviously popped in that line at the beginning when it's like it's christmas i don't remember um, that <laughs> well so God. um so yeah that that's probably why it's not quite as focused as is it just a, a mix mash of scripts is that it yeah i think so i think i think maybe that's I think yeah. maybe that's what I'm picking up on. Yeah, because it, it doesn't flopped. seem it flopped hugely. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine why. Yeah, it was. So this was like this was released at the height of uh, Schwarzenegger's popularity. He'd done T2, I think, two years previously. Yeah. Um, he'd done a cameo as himself in that film Dave, where Kevin Klein plays the president and with Sigourney Weaver. Okay. Um, and this this film kind of like was the turning point where everything started to go a bit wrong like it did yeah. true lies which obviously is brilliant but then after that he jingle did, all the way he did junior razor batman and robin like it all just went a bit wrong for then he Arnie. did that really weird reality show where he was the governor of california the governor the governor that was bizarre that one um but yeah they they sony basically kind of buried this film because it it had such awful they, they showed a, a rough cut as in like previews to get feedback and it got such awful feedback that, that that kind of word of mouth basically buried the film. Do you think it's too clever for its own good? Possibly. You know, maybe it was a bit too before its time. I don't know if, you know, it was it's pastiching 80s films, but people were still loving those films mm. and weren't perhaps as aware of the tropes as the people making the films were. Maybe they weren't ready to... Because, you know, when you make yeah, something like... Too soon, yeah. When you make something like Last Action Hero, that's it that's the end right, of it the, you the know police procedurals 
were pastiched in Naked Gun and mm. the Naked Gun films. What Police was Academy. Police, no, no, no. Police, Police Squad. Police Squad became, the TV show became, uh, so yeah. those sort of police procedurals were, were sort of um, pastiched in that. And you don't really see them anymore. Like NYPD Blue became a different show. Law and Order became a different show. Maybe people weren't just ready to well, give they, up they changed. that kind of action films. They changed though, didn't they? Because the the police p- procedurals became darker and grittier. So you've got like yeah. seven and things like that. So they had to kind of adapt or die. Yeah. Um, and I think the action film, has it has it changed much? I think the stunts are bigger. I think it's changed in the sense that the tropes don't exist anymore. Right, yeah. You, know, you watch something like Skyfall, mm. which or um, any of the Jason Bourne films, or, you know, those kind of post-9-11 films, those tropes don't exist anymore because it's just laughable. Mm. And when you see things like, you know, a character walking away from an explosion, it's, it's completely laughable. I think they did it in one of the... I think they did it in the first Wolverine film. And it was like they still a, do it. It was like an eye, but it's an eye roll moment. Like, oh, really? Yeah. That there's that there's that YouTube song, isn't there? Bad good guys don't look back at explosions or something. Yeah, yeah. that sounds that does sound familiar. But those things don't exist anymore. And maybe it's got to the point now where we have a whole new set of tropes. Maybe we need another last action hero to bring about the end of this new version of the action film, and then we move on to a new version of the new version of the action film. But have, but have haven't Bond and Bourne kind of already done it, done that job themselves? They've kind of tired out the the gritty, you know, grubby knuckled kind of action thing. And I potentially, think people, I think people probably want. That's why the nice guys was so great because people maybe wanted to go back to that slightly more. Uh, but that wasn't, sly really, and that funny. wasn't really an action film, though, was it? That was a buddy cop thing with a little yeah. bit of action. It wasn't. That was more lethal weapon pure. than you know, last action hero or predator or yeah. Or, terminator 2 in terms of the bond films i think the last bond film showed that action films had moved on to such a point that they were so super serious now that when you then started integrating older versions of action films i.e the original format of the james bond things if you start bringing in all those old james bond things like the wink to the camera or certain characters that don't really make sense like blofeld Mm. It completely jars because when you watch Spectre, it's like watching two different films. So I watch a really gritty film set in Mexico and then wherever they go. Um, I think it's all South America in that film. And then a bit of, bit of snowing in the Alps. So you have the, the super serious film, but then you have this kind of Roger Moore-esque stuff that Daniel Craig is not natural at. You get this really weird, like, jarring. Mm. Yeah. Spectre for me, I, I barely remember Spectre. Skyfall's pretty much my favorite bond film really as not i'm not as much of a bond fan okay but i just loved skyfall i don't think i'd watch this and again anytime soon what i don't think i'd watch it i'd much rather watch die hard or okay predator because 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 they're better films they they actually have a plot you actually give a shit about the character you actually give a shit you know I, i watch Die Hard at least once a year is one of my favourite Christmas movies. <laughs> you know, good worlds of all men except German terrorists. Yeah. But you genuinely give a shit about, you know, John McClane and the fact that he is a one-man army against an army of crazy Germans. Yeah. And, you know, and if you flip that, it's the other way around. In Predator, you've got an army of good guys against one bad guy mm. and one by one, the bad guy takes them down. 
Yeah. They're just much, they're just better movies. Well, they're they less, more focused. They're less cartoony. Like Last Action Hero is, it's a lark. It's a cartoony kind of joke. It's only cartoony in the sense that what you're watching is just so fan, fan, phantasmorical. How do you say that word? I have fan, no idea what you're trying fantas- to say. Like such, such, such over the top fantasy, but it's played very straight. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's, he's always given a bad rep as being a bad actor, but he's only a bad actor if you compare him to, like, Liam Neeson. I mean, Arnold's never going to be Oscar Schindler, but if you put him in an action film, because he's very good in this. He's very good. He plays it very deadpan and straight. It's not like, I'm in a movie. Ah, 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 Winking to the camera. He's like, no, this is a movie. You fool. <laughs> <laughs> he's Mexican. He's got now. German. <laughs> but... He he plays this part very, very well. If you give him, you know, his boundaries, and he understands his boundaries, he's not a Laurence Olivier. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Laurence Llewellyn Bowen. He's <laughs> <laughs> not quite that either. <laughs> <laughs> but he's that kind of shit level. He knows he's, he's shit and he plays it. He plays shit really well. Well, like the whole thing with the whole Hamlet thing was hilarious. That's great. Then, yeah, that, those things were quite genius. But I that's why that. I thought it was like an SNL sketch. Yeah. When him and... When him and him, when him and Arnold were on the same screen together, that, oh, was, done, that, was, done, that was done really. Yeah, was that his real wife? I think so, yeah. Oh, fuck, that didn't go well. Mm. Um, it was seamless. Yeah. I just smacked my mic. Um, that, was, that was seamless when it was him and him on the screen together, and it was 1993. Just those those shots must have cost a fucking arm and a leg because mm. they it was seamless. It was really good. The film and it was convincing. The film, like, it cost. It cost $85 million. And it, Big but, for back then. But it, yeah, and it looks like it does because it looks, it's, it looks amazing. Mm. Like all of the, the stunts and stuff are great. Like when he's hanging off the, the, <laughs> the esca- elevator and what. When they come out the movie near, near the end, in like the last half an hour, and you've got two cars playing chicken against each other in the, in the alleyway. Uh-huh. Um, and then they crash. One's a taxi, one's a car. You can actually see the cable that's <laughs> controlling the car brilliant uh, when it crashes it flips down hits a puddle and you get distracted what was that then you notice this wire that was controlling the car uh, so no not all the effects are good okay well that was obviously <laughs> their like five five buck concession mm. um, but it looks great and I think John John McTiernan was the right guy to do it because it, it does look amazing like all the explosions are great and yeah it doesn't feel like it could have been because it's a spoof it could have just been like a journeyman just kind of dial it in phone it in kind of thing but it looks great it, it's a really good looking action film and not I, just because Arnold Schwarzenegger wears snakeskin boots I miss his style I miss John McTinnon's style he has this great way of getting a lot of lot of things in one shot he moves his cameras quite yeah. a lot and he's goes got depth from, of frame yeah but it just goes from like one perfectly framed frame with this amazing in camera lens flare to another shot with this like perfectly framed shot with more lens flare this this really cool like just seamless movement that just captures the energy of the scenes it's a shame that he's not making any more films i know he's not made anything since 2003 yeah he's been in prison for a bit of it has he yeah he got done for tax evasion or something or embezzlement or uh perjury or something i think he lied in court when he got he got the Golden Raspberry Award. Or he got nominated for the Golden Raspberry Award for worst director for this. for this, which I find shocking. Yeah, 
that's that's not fair. I don't think his direction's bad. I think no. I think his direction is good. I think just the, the major the major problem is the script. After this, he went on to do the Thomas Crown Affair, which I uh. much prefer to the original, and is in a weird way the Thomas Crown Affair is Piers Brosnan's best Bond film. <laughs> yeah, it's a really classy, well-made thriller. Yeah. I've not seen it for a long time. Maybe but we'll I have remember to do it, it being... on. Maybe we have to do yeah, it on yeah. a future episode. I'm up for that. Danny DeVito was Whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> you brought Cameo number one. Made sense. Cameo number two. Why? Why did we need death to come out of the screen from the seventh seal, walk up the street, walk up the aisle in the cinema, and say something along the lines of, like, you won't die for a long time, kid? It was pointless. Yeah, it and was it was only pointless. when he was walking up the street, I was like, that's Ian McKellen. Yeah, as death out of the seventh seal. Yeah, so if you've got Ian McKellen, why not utilise him more? I mean, I know it was 93 and he was a nobody then, but... <laughs> I wouldn't quite... No, nobody in, far, in, but... in, in Hollywood. Like, yeah. What had he done yeah. in Hollywood? Yeah. I think he'd done Gods and Monsters, or maybe that hadn't come out That was out afterwards, yet. yeah. Was that afterwards? That yeah. was 95. Okay, so he hadn't done anything in Hollywood. Mm. If you're, But if you've got an actor of that standing, use him. But even if even if it wasn't Ian McKellen, if you've got a character as iconic as Death from um, Seventh Seal, from the Seventh Seal, or Bill and Ted's Burgers Journey, <laughs> then <laughs> use him, utilize him. Otherwise, it's it's just a waste of ten minutes of my time. Yeah, yeah. This 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 film is bloated. It, I'll give it that. It's two hours ten minutes long. Yeah, it does have bloat. Definitely. It's like me after you know a big meal. <laughs> So that was Last Action Hero, directed by John McTiernan. We want you to join the conversation. Tweet us your thoughts and your reviews to at TornStubsPod, even if you're listening to this way after we've released the podcast. And if you love the podcast, please give us a rating. We love five-star ratings in particular. We sure do. We're off to jump into the movie screen. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut! ParkPal is a companion iPhone app for trips to Disneyland Paris. ParkPal is available free from the App Store.